Good morning, Grace 242. My name is Arabella Cole. Today's scripture reading comes from Lamentations 3, verses 18 through 24. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Hello, Grace242. I go on vacation for a week, and while I'm gone, the world burns down. So here we are. And I know that I keep referencing current events in these message openers, but what we're watching right now in our country is unprecedented. This is like nothing many of us have ever seen before. And in many ways, we're watching a nation burn down in front of our eyes. We've seen a global pandemic bring the world to a screeching halt. We were shut in our homes for three months and almost 40 million Americans lost their jobs. Thus far, America has seen 117,290 deaths from COVID-19. Then we saw George Floyd suffocated by police in Minneapolis, which sparked protests across the country. And much of whatever good came from those protests was quickly overshadowed by widespread riots, violence, destruction, and looting. Morgan and I went to Door County for an evening during my vacation, and even in Sister Bay, a small group of protesters lined the streets holding signs. As I drove by, one protester shoved a sign at me that read, Honk if you want justice. And I took the shove as a scold uh, for not honking. Morgan disagrees with me. She said the protester was just emphasizing their point, but I still maintain that that protester was scolding me for not honking when she gave me that shove. But next to that sign that read, Honk if you want justice, was a sign that was almost unbelievable. It read, Defund the police. And alarmingly, this has become common rhetoric in the past few weeks. We're even seeing the experiment of defunding the police play out in Seattle, where anarchists have set up the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ for short. Several city blocks of Seattle have been taken over and all police have been removed. CHAZ even includes a police station which now stands vacant and graffitied. And now we're watching the fallout from another officer-involved shooting in Atlanta. Richard Brooks, a 27-year-old black man, was fatally shot by police at a Wendy's drive-thru after resisting arrest and grabbing an officer's taser. After the incident, an arsonist set fire to the Wendy's where the shooting occurred. Now, I've used this metaphor in my preaching before, but when I look at the country right now, I feel like I am looking at a rotten onion. We're seeing layers upon layers of fallenness, sinfulness, and rottenness on top of one another. The fact that officers sometimes have to use lethal force is a result of sin. That's a rotten layer. The quickly deteriorating race relations are a rotten layer. The violence is a rotten layer. The rioting is a rotten layer. 
The torching of the Wendy's is a rotten lair. Authoritative figures who abdicate their responsibilities, giving space for violent rioters and looters, and it gives them the space to wreak havoc, is a rotten lair. Racism is a rotten lair. The pushing of racism where there isn't racism is a rotten lair. Even the fact that we need police to enforce the law is indicative of a proclivity within all of us to disobey. The very fact that we need police is indicative of our sinfulness and our rottenness. And at the core of the rotten onion is the human heart. Jeremiah himself knows this when he says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And the rotten onion ought to make us grieve. I know I've said this so many times during this series already, but it's uncanny how similar our position is here in 2020 America, how similar that is to Jeremiah's position in Lamentations. In Jeremiah's day, the rotten human heart prompted a Babylonian invasion. And as Jeremiah watches Jerusalem burn, he grieves over the destruction of his beloved nation. In the same way, the rotten human heart is on display as our nation burns down. And as Christ followers in America, I think it's appropriate and even warranted that we grieve over our nation right now. I was talking with my friend Seth Stevens, who is a pastor in Clovis, California this past week, and we were talking about the pandemic. And Seth said that he had been looking up stats for the top killers in the United States. And Seth said that based off of the data that he found, coronavirus would be a top five killer by the time this year is done. And then he said this, which I found poignant. He said, coronavirus is a top five killer, but yet I don't see any mourning. I don't see any grieving. He said, where's the grieving over this tragedy? Jeremiah suffers grief over the burning down of Jerusalem, and we suffer grief over the burning down of our nation. Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser calls this type of suffering representative suffering. Jeremiah is a representative sufferer because he suffers on behalf of the people. And there's two aspects to this. Number one, Jeremiah suffers personally. Jeremiah was the prophet who implored Judah to change their ways and turn back to God. But Jeremiah suffered greatly for this unpopular message. And now that Judah has failed to heed his warning, God is bringing disaster upon them. Jeremiah suffered personally because of the heat that he took for his unpopular message. Look at how Jeremiah leads off in chapter 3. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. Notice the I language. And now look also at verse 14. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. Jeremiah suffers personally and as a representative sufferer, he suffers corporately. He is suffering alongside the Jews who have become prisoners of the vicious Babylonian Empire. Jeremiah began chapter 3 using I language and now we're going to look later at verses 42 and 43 and he's going to switch to we us language. Look at 42 and 43. We have sinned and rebelled and you have not forgiven us. You have engulfed us with your anger, chased us down and slaughtered us without mercy. Jeremiah suffers both as an I 
and as a we slash us. Walter Kaiser says, Jeremiah is that individual who suffers in many ways beyond all others, but he is also the representative sufferer for all of Israel by virtue of his role as the prophet of the Lord, who pled with, prayed for, and preached to his people Israel. Jeremiah suffered on behalf of his nation burning to the ground, and today we look around at our nation burning to the ground, and we suffer. But years before Jeremiah, another prophet, Isaiah, anticipated the greatest representative sufferer. Isaiah 53 verse 4a says, Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Then, several hundred years after Jeremiah, the world met this greatest of all representative sufferers. While Jeremiah suffered on behalf of Judah, Jesus suffered on behalf of all people when he went to the cross. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the Spirit. Jesus, as the greatest representative sufferer, suffered the death we deserve when he went to the cross. I relate to representative suffering when I think about our son Colin's birth. Now, many of you know that when Colin was born, he was born at Children's Hospital of Wisconsin, and, and many of you know that a week after his post-birth life, he had surgery on his heart. Now, Colin was the one in the hospital Colin was the one undergoing surgery, but his suffering affected me just as much. Colin had a breathing tube, and, and they told us that that breathing tube was actually pretty painful, so they kept him sedated as much as possible. But there were times that he would surface to consciousness, and I could see the pain on my little boy's face. His little body would writhe, and his face would contort, and his mouth would begin to cry out, but no sound would escape because of the breathing tube. And even though he was the one with the tube in all the pain, it just pained me to watch him writhe in his little bed. And if I could have traded places with him, I would have done so in a heartbeat. And when I think back to our time in the hospital with Colin, I like to think about how we made it through each day. We were in the hospital for 20 days and, and each day presented a new challenge. In the same way, when you're in the midst of pain and suffering, each day is a challenge just to wake up in the morning. I remember being so tired and drained when my head hit the pillow each night that I wondered how I would find the energy to face the next day. And here's where we get to the climax of Lamentations. This is the best part of the entire book, which is why we did chapter 3 last. We saved the best for last. Lamentations 3, 22 to 24 says, The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, The Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. God is faithful. His mercies are new each morning. I was listening to a podcast on Lamentations, and Colin Smith was the name of the pastor who was being interviewed for the podcast. Colin is a pastor at a church in Chicagoland. 
And Colin talked about Lamentations being set against the backdrop of Jerusalem's destruction by the Babylonians. So naturally, as a Bible reader, Colin anticipated that Jeremiah would point our hopes forward to the New Jerusalem. With the earthly Jerusalem being destroyed, you'd expect that the prophet would point us toward the hope we have in eternity in New Jerusalem. But Colin said that when he studied Lamentations, he could not find any mention or any reference to the New Jerusalem anywhere, which he found totally odd. Colin wondered, why wouldn't the prophet mention New Jerusalem? And the answer later came to him. Colin said that Jeremiah doesn't talk about New Jerusalem because when you're in the midst of pain and suffering, eternity seems like a long way off. When you're in the midst of pain and suffering, your concern isn't eternity. Your concern is, how am I just going to make it through this day? You can't think about eternity because that's too far off. Instead, you're asking, when I wake up in the morning, how am I going to find the energy to roust myself from the bed to face the day? And Lamentations answers that question. You'll make it through because the Lord's mercies are new every morning. The ESV renders verse 24, the Lord is my portion. How am I going to make it through another day of pain and suffering? You're going to make it through because the Lord is your portion. Great is His faithfulness.